We want to share this morning a message about the kingdom of God. And it, it, might, it might sound like I'm saying, you know, we're going to preach about God in church today. <laughs> Which everyone should hope that we preach about God in church, right? Um, but actually, when we speak about the kingdom of God, it's, um, it's, it's, it is a topic in and of itself that is really important for us to understand. Because most of the time when we say the kingdom of God, people think we're referring to heaven. And we're not entirely referring to heaven. We're referring to so much more than the place we go to after this life if we have a relationship with Jesus in this life. The kingdom of God um, encompasses every aspect of God's entire plan for this universe and how that plays out on earth. And we want to talk about that today. But I wonder if you've seen recently, just I mean, I'm sure you have, just how much conflict there is in the world. You see all the animosity out there, and you kind of go like, go like, man, why is this world so messed up? Have you ever thought that? You think, um, goodness, why are there so many you know, wars, and why, why is there so, so much disunity going on? Um, and, and, and can we all just get along, please? How many of you have said that? Can we all just agree to disagree on some things, but yet have peace amongst ourselves? I've, I've asked that plenty of times, and I've, I've been one, often I've been like, oh my goodness, this is such a petty issue. Can we kind of talk about real stuff? Um, and yet we see this division in society that leads to amazing tensions that's hanging in the air. I mean, we're leading up to an election in, in, in the U.S. right now. And during these times, it's almost exasperated. You know, it, it's almost like it's more um, uh, contentious. Um, and people have, have worse things to say about each other in times like these, especially if you care to uh, l- read some social media <laughs> comment <laughs> scripts. I suggest you don't. Um, they get pretty nasty at some times. Um, but we're living in a world, we're living in a time and an age where there is a lot of anger and a lot of tension that is just... And, 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 and how many of you have sat and, and then and somebody says something on the news or you know, online or something, and, then, and you just feel this, this, this well of anger just wanting to complete burst out of you. I remember <laughs> back home uh, watching news with my dad. It was always the spectacle, not the news, my dad, okay? Because <laughs> he, would, he would sit there, and I, I would see him, you know, like adjusting his seat, you know, and then sitting up, and you know, he, would, he, he always drank, so you would always, you know, take a sip of his drink, and uh, at some point, he would just light up a cigarette, and I could see he's getting really bad when he has to light up a cigarette while watching the news, right? So then he would sit there, and at some point, he would make a little comment, and then at one point, he would just like, he would just blast off. <laughs> and we will all kind of just be sitting, waiting, sitting, waiting, just watching this little dynamic happen between the news and my dad. But the fact of the matter is that stuff that happens stir our emotions, don't they? They make us angry when people misunderstand things and they misrepresent things. That is what gets under my skin. Is when something I said gets misrepresented um, to somebody else. And, and, and so much of that is happening. And, and, and we might ask ourselves, but why is all this happening? Why can't it just be a little bit more peaceful, a little bit more unified? And the big reason why that is the case is because there are conflicting kingdoms in the spiritual realm contending for people's attention. 
contending for people's allegiance. And you will find yourself in a kingdom that has diametrically opposed views than another person. And no matter how much you try and explain your viewpoint to that person, they just don't get it. Have you tried to explain something to somebody and they just can't see it? And you figure, well, they just won't see it. They refuse to look at this logically. And then they have the same argument against you. <laughs> and it's kind of strange, this world that we live in. But that's, that's kind of how it is. And it's more often than not, not a physical situation. It's a spiritual situation that is playing out. And that's why unless the spiritual reality changes, the physical reality will never change. And that's why the church is such an important factor in the society today because we are actually aware of what's happening in the spiritual realm and we have the tools with which to address that. But we have to, uh, we have to, underst- excuse me, we have to understand what's happening in the spiritual realm and, and that's why we want to talk about the kingdom of God. Um, so when we, when we look at the world, it can take away our hope. How many of you felt hopeless at times? You're like, oh man, this world is just going to trash. Um, and, and I felt like that as well. But then what happens is you see thousands and thousands of people showing up on beaches in California to worship Jesus when they're, uh, when they're, <laughs> when they're prevented from doing so in church buildings. And you kind of go, man, is there still hope? There's, there's like these little pockets of, of hope that wants to keep telling us, don't stop, keep going. It's a spiritual battle. And at the end of the day, Jesus wins. And I want to declare with hope today to each and every one of you that at the end of the day, Jesus wins. But what happens is when we get distracted and our focus get captured by all these dilemmas that we're facing, the, degrade, the, 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 the things that um, break down starts entering into our own souls and we start feeling broken down. And that's why today we want to reshift our focus back to the kingdom of God. Because as long as we keep our focus right, as long as we keep in step with the Holy Spirit and what He is currently doing, hope will be lit back up in our own hearts. And we can continue during these seasons of absolute chaos at times, holding steadfast to the path that God has called us to walk with hope and faith that He, at the end of the day, is going to make the change happen. He is going to bring salvation. And I'm not just talking about salvation one day when we go to heaven. I'm talking about breakthrough here on earth because, as you'll see in a minute, the kingdom of God is powerful. But we have to realize that our solution does not lie in religion. Even as Christians, we have to realize that our solution is not in religion. Because it's a misunderstanding that God wanted to have a religion to do something on earth. And I'll get to that in a second. But what is this idea called the kingdom of God? Like I said, it is not heaven. Heaven is part of the kingdom of God. But you know what? Earth is also part of the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is a realm where the king's will is enacted everywhere the king is present. Would you agree that God is present with us here on earth? The Bible confirms it. 
He's hereby's Holy Spirit, which means that he has included this territory under his realm of influence, and he is wanting his influence to expand throughout this reality, not just one in heaven, here with us now. So what do we mean when we pray, thy kingdom come? Matthew 6 verse 9, many of us grew up reciting the Lord's Prayer. It says this, our Father, which art in heaven, and by the way, even in that sentence, we, we have such amazing depth of knowledge and insight. Um, and I'll, I'll just name out one. It asks, it, 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 Jesus teaches us to pray our Father. He did not say, pray my Father who art in heaven. Because there's something about being a part of a body of believers that is important to Jesus. And so we always need to remember that we are meant to be a part of a people so that we can pray what Jesus prayed, our Father. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does it mean to pray, thy kingdom come? When the kingdom of God comes, it brings about God's will God's way uh, and His design, and it brings change. It brings change. How many of you, since you've begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, has experienced change in your life? Let me see those hands. All right? Every single one of us should be putting up our hand in a moment like that because the kingdom of God does not come without bringing change. In fact, if you claim to have given your life to Jesus, but you have not undergone any form of change, that means that you claim to be a part of a religion, but you have not yet actually let the kingdom of God into your heart. And this is a very important thing because the kingdom of God changes things. It changes it from looking like it is now to how God wants it to look. The kingdom of God is powerful and it changes things. It brings change. And it's sad. It's very sad if you have a place that's full of churches, but that place doesn't start looking more like God wants it to look. Think about that. That's because churches are stuck in religion and not expanding and living for the kingdom of God to come where we are. And that is a really important thing. Each and every one of us as a part of this church needs to understand that we do not purport a religion we preach the kingdom of God. And that kingdom desire is to come and change our environment. To let our, let our, our city and our parish and, and, and every aspect of it look like God. Look like the kingdom. Look like God's place. Like He is governing it. So you have to ask yourself this question. What would my place look like if Jesus was the boss in that place? What would my workplace look like if Jesus was the boss in it? When the kingdom of God comes to our communities, it heals relationships. It heals marriages. It heals relationships between parents and their children. It brings peace between people. When the kingdom of God comes, it, for those who are with, with, within its influence realm, of course, it brings beauty. It brings order. It makes things look nice again. The kingdom of God can be as practical 
as cleaning your yard, to let your yard reflect heaven. It can be as practical as doing your laundry and folding it up so that all is neat and orderly back into the closets where it can be used for the next day. The kingdom of God is not airy-fairy. It's very practical, and it has a tangible effect in society. So God desires us and taught us to pray, let your kingdom come. And for us to be able to understand why he said this, we need to ask the question, what is the kingdom of God? What is this thing called the kingdom of God that he wants us to come? Well, first and foremost, God wants us to understand that before anything existed, he was. And in fact, nothing existed before him. In fact, the word existence is a concept that came from him. And so God does not have a beginning, nor does he have an end. Even the concept of a beginning and an end was initiated by God. And therefore, God was before all things. Which means that if he was before all things and he created all things, he also is therefore by default the owner of all things. And because he is the owner of all things, he has the privilege and the right to define how it ought to run. And from that we find our worldview that this world, the right and the wrong, the good and the bad, gets to be defined by God because he started it. We don't get to redefine what's good and what's bad. And there are those who would say that, hey, good and bad, right and wrong, they're just societal dynamics. Whatever your society deems to be okay, we should be okay with that because we're the end of all things. We are the ultimate if, uh, you know, uh, product of this creation, or, 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 sorry, of this um, universe. And so because we're the pinnacle, we get to define, no, 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 listen to me. <laughs> we are not the pinnacle of this universe. God made everything, and therefore he, as the owner and creator, gets to define what is good and bad. We don't get to define that or redefine that. In fact, it actually makes no sense to think that humanity should come up with and, 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 and judge what is good and bad. Because we all innately, innately know that that cannot work. Because if you have that, then you can actually not point a finger at any dictator ever in the past. Because according to him and his group, what they did was acceptable. And who are you to disagree with them? You're equally man as they are. No, there has to be a higher order, a higher standard to whom we all need to adhere to. And that person is God. God was in the beginning. Genesis 1, 1 says the following. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God started three things at that point. He started time, he made space, and he made matter. Matter, and, and as a result of making matter, he made space. He created space between particles. God set this world's um, order in place and he started things and there's too much to say about that to um to further uh, expound but the word god literally means self-existing one it means god does not need the universe to exist it's the other way around the universe needs god to exist god does not need oxygen to exist or any other uh, you know any other atom or, or, or molecule for that matter. Those things find their existence in God. He is a self-sufficient, self-existing being. And because he is outside of everything, he gets to have the only 
objective look into everything. You and I are influenced by our environment. And so defining what's right and wrong is difficult to us because we're influenced by our own experience. God stands outside of it, but he is not distant. We also know that he reached in. We'll get to that in a minute. So God is not necessarily a name. It is actually a description of his nature and his character. But I do know we refer to him as God, but what we're actually saying is we're actually saying self-sufficient one, self-existing one, creator of everything, the standard against which everything is measured is God. And God, the Bible declares of God that he has this attribute, he has this character trait called love, okay? So his nature is like God doesn't possess love, his nature is love. And because love wants to share <laughs> love, the abundance of God's love made him want to share that broader than the existence in the Godhead. There's a lot to say about the Trinity, which we won't go into today. But it's important to note that God did not lack love, and therefore he made man. No, God had such an abundance of love to share that he made objects to share it with. In comes man. His desire for creating us was so that he would be able to share his abundant love with more individuals than have that love within the Godhead. And so God gets fulfilled by, by sharing his love with us. And it, and it makes him glad if we receive his love and reciprocate that love. But it's not that he lacked it and he needs love from us. He is a self-sufficient one. In other words, he has enough love for his, for, for his own self within himself. But he does want to share that. The second thing we need to understand about the kingdom of God is that we were created with the purpose of rulership and leadership. So there is God outside of everything, but he creates something. He creates something so that he can share who he is with that something. But then he moves a, a, a bit further. He creates the something according to his own likeness. He creates us so close to his own nature and character so that we actually share his attributes. How many of you know if we weren't able to share his attributes, we wouldn't be able to connect with him? If we didn't have the capacity for love, the understanding of beauty, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the capacity for emotions, we would not be able to connect with God. And so he creates us in his likeness so that we'll be able to reciprocate relationship with him. But part of that relationship is to let us experience some of his realm. And so him as the ruler and the leader of everything creates mankind to be the same, only over a smaller piece of real estate. He lets us do what he does. That's the amazing thing about God. As he allows us to, ex- to not just experience him, but to experience in a sense what it means to be like him. To have rulership, to have leadership, to have responsibility to share even the love that he has now placed on the inside of us with those around us. And so we're created to mimic him. We're created to copy what he does for all of the universe, for this piece of the universe. It's a beautiful model that he sets up. And, 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 and 
Where do I find this? <laughs> I find it in Genesis. Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27. It goes on to say, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the uh, sea, the birds of the air, and the cattle over, every, uh, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In this sentence, I mean, this is just such a, let me, let me say what the word dominion means first. The word dominion li- literally means to have reign, to be the master of, to be the king of, to take charge over. That is what God set us up as mankind. Each and every person here has been set up with dominion over the earth and its resources. So as, as God has created all this universe and all of this is his, he basically his kingdom encompasses everything and everything that was created is inside of his kingdom. God sets us up here on earth and he says to us, now this will be your kingdom. You have to rule over this as I rule over everything. You have to make sure that this is, is cultivated and managed and stewarded the same way I am cultivating, managing, and stewarding all of the universe. The first thing he gives us is, first is relationship. The second thing he gives us is a place to rule, to be like him in. And it's just amazing. I love it. But listen to what he says here. He does not say, hey, let us as the Godhead have dominion over this. It's so absolutely clear. He he says it emphatically, let us. The people we've made, let them have dominion over the earth and its resources. You know what God did in that moment? He actually made a decision to self-limit. Because he set man up as the authority on earth through which his will should be enacted. Have you ever seen that? You ever realized that? Have you ever realized how much authority God gave to mankind? He set us up as the rulers over this piece of real estate. And he did that not because he had to, because he wanted to. He wanted us to experience what it meant like to have rulership, to be able to lead a place. Because that would help us to connect even better with him. How many of you learned more about your parents once you became a parent. You learn to appreciate your parents so much more <laughs> when you're holding that little bundle of like, I don't know what they have to do with this in your hands. You know what I'm saying? God wanted us to be able to connect and, and how much deeper can the relationship between me and my parents grow now that I understand the challenges and the tensions and the, like, you know, the, the, the things that they went through to make decisions about me and my life, how much more can I, can, can I um, uh, connect with them on that and, 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 and uh, uh, relate to what they went through? And so now my relationship with them grows so much more. Same with my relationship with God. God wants us to feel the tension of having to make decisions about how to manage the earth so that we'll know his tensions and the things that he needs to consider. And that way we'll understand him better and we'll connect with him better. His desire was 
for us to have great relationship with Him and to share His great love with us. But He almost had to let us feel and experience what He does in order for that to come to its fullness, for that to be developed in its fullness, a full relational understanding of who He is for us. And so He sets us up with this dominion. He sets us up with um, the, the task of managing this place. And note, in the Garden of Eden, there is no worship services mentioned. There is no church. There is no formalized patterns of... There's no Bible. Have you ever thought about that? There is, there is no Bible for them to read to tell them what to do. No, what was there? relationship that's all there was there was relationship in the garden of eden because that's what god desired all along he desired all along for mankind to rule this earth from relationship with him And so in our relationship with Him, we will gain understanding of how He wants things done. And He would say things to us and we would go and then do those things to honor the relationship that we have with our Creator, with our Father. And that's what He did with Adam. He told them what they needed to do. He said to them, look, you see, I put you here in this garden. You see how nice it is? See how I set it up? This is the model. I want you to go and subdue the earth, multiply this, and subdue the whole earth. And so God wanted Adam and Eve to go out into the rest of the earth and repeat what he did to cultivate the, the earth and to set it, the whole earth up with habit, habit, uh, a habitat that is uh, suitable for mankind to live in. And then he wanted them to make babies and many, and so that those babies will have place to go and live. They will also have extended garden space to go and set themselves up for that. Can you all see the thing? that God is wanting Adam and Eve to do? Now we know that whole beautiful plan got so wildly disrupted. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But God did not tell Adam, once a week come here so you can worship. Get, a, get music instruments together and, you know, recruit a team. <laughs> and sit for an hour, sing songs, listen to someone preach. And they... That was never God's desire that a religious experience would replace. Every evening, He would come and He would just walk with them. He would just talk, hey, how was the day? Did you see that tree grow? Yeah, we need to, we need to take care of this one. this one. This one needs a little attention. All right, let's get... He was just, he was just living with them, speaking to them. Now, I know a lot of that got changed over time, and there's a reason why the church exists now, and it is God's institution for this era, and we'll talk about that. But back then, it was about relationship. And the fact that God wanted Adam to take care of this place through multiplying his seed and through, um, to cult- and through cultivating the earth. So God gave Adam authority. He even let Adam decide what to call the animals. Think about that. God did not say, Adam, 
This is elephant. Elephant, this is Adam. No, he said, Adam, what do you think we should call this one? I made it. It's here. But you get to, I, I, I made it, but you get to name it. And so whatever Adam would say would be so. Amazing. You know, I always thought if Adam, or if Adam named elephant elephant, or if, some, or, or if he had a different name for it, not, not a different translation, but an entirely different name for it, and that somewhere, somewhere got lost in antiquity. And, and so I always thought, like, is that really elephant? Is that really what we should be calling it? Because what if Adam called it something different? And God said to me, who decided to call it elephant? I said, a bunch of scientists, I think. Or I don't know who, maybe, maybe. I don't know. He said, what are those people? I said, they're just men. God said, exactly. That's how I wanted it. Y'all decide. If you want it to be called something different, as long as you can get global consensus, go ahead. Rename the elephant. It's going to be difficult. So we just keep an elephant for now, right? There's more important things to spend our time with than renaming animals right now. But the point here is, mankind was given authority to make those decisions. Who gets to decide how we use Earth's resources? Us. That's why we have to be responsible with it. That's why we have to make sure that we're keeping following generations in mind when we use things. And that's why you have things like limits for hunting. Come on now. That's why people can't just go like the like they did in a, in a time past, and just keep shooting animals and killing them because it's nice. No, that's how we lost species to history. It's because man wasn't fulfilling its dominion mandate for cultivating and managing this earth well. And we can lose a lot of other things as well if we don't take our mandate seriously. God wants us to manage this place, and it's our responsibility Because he said, let them rule. I know what I'm sharing today is probably a new thought to many of you. But we're going to spend the next couple of days, next couple of weeks unpacking this thing called the kingdom of God and why it's so important. Remember, we want to be about God's business, right? We're not here to build our own little kingdom. We're here on an assignment from heaven. And that's why it's so important for us to get our focus straight. Because it's easy for us to lose focus in a time when everything is pulling us like every other corner. Everybody has their opinion about something. Well, has anybody asked, what is God's opinion? What is God's opinion about the things that are going on in the news every single day? Because that's how you, that's how you keep your sanity in these times. That's how you not lose your temper. That's how you're able to actually do something proactive about what's going on. Because you'll have perspective. You'll understand what is God up to? How do I get involved in it? Because at the end of the day, He wins. And I want to be on His side. The kingdom of God is the only kingdom in which every citizen is designated a co-ruler. We are all called to be co-rulers with Christ. But not just co-rulers. 
First Peter 2 verse 9 says, You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You're not just royal in that you have governing authority over the earth. You're also a priesthood. That means that every single individual person before God is a minister unto God and unto man. Like I've said to y'all before, don't introduce me as your minister. We're all ministers. We're a royal priesthood. Every single one of us are meant to minister to God privately and to minister to people the hope that we found in Jesus Christ. But I have a title of pastor in this church and that is different from being a minister because that comes with a set of responsibilities that not every minister of the gospel has. But each and every one of us are part of this royal family of God that gets to co-rule with Him and this priesthood of believers who get to minister to Him privately, not just corporately. And they get to tell other people about the amazing love that we found in Him and minister the gospel to them. It was never God's plan to establish a religion. Hear me clearly today. It was never God's plan to establish a religion to rule us with. It was always His plan to establish a royal family with whom to rule with on earth. And that's the beauty of a relationship with God as you get to become part of His family You don't join a religion. You become part of God's family of co-rulers on this earth that now starts to advance the kingdom's agenda here on earth. See, religion focuses on heaven, but the kingdom focuses on earth. Religion tries to reach up to God. The kingdom, God came down to earth. Religion wants to escape earth. But the kingdom wants to impact, influence, and change earth. And God is about establishing His kingdom here on earth. And we get to be a part of that victorious work. We have been created to change earth according to the pattern of heaven. That's God's desire. That was His desire right from the start with Adam. And Adam messed it up. Let's talk about that. The greatest, point number three, the greatest threat to thy kingdom is my kingdom. My kingdom come, my will be done. The way I see it needs to happen. That's the greatest threat to the kingdom of God's expansion here on earth. So Adam, perhaps the greatest crime in any country is the crime of treason. Would you agree? That's like the fundamentally worst crime that you can do is selling out your own country treason i don't know how many countries but many countries i know has a death penalty for treason straight up if it's proven that it was treason that person is done for listen to this adam's sin wasn't just disobedience it was treason adam went against god's will and he tried to set up himself next to God. He rebelled 
against his home country. It was treason and it deserved the death penalty. And sure enough, they did die spiritually. That's why that act was such a fundamentally bad thing to do. Because it wasn't just, oh, you know, kind of, you know, he just, he just didn't listen. No, no, he committed the worst crime thinkable to a kingdom. And then he lost the most important thing. Two things. He lost his relationship with God. And because of that, he lost the ability to advance God's kingdom on earth. But because God created mankind to rule earth, Adam was still alive in, 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 physically, and so they were still responsible for earth. Now the whole New Old Testament is the story of how God works with mankind, walks with mankind to bring him back to a place of authority here on earth. And the beautiful, beautiful story of how Jesus came from heaven. He became a man. God came from heaven. He became a man in Jesus Christ. And what was Jesus' mission here on earth? Think about how many times Jesus preached about religion. And think about how many times Jesus said, The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus' plan was to bring back the kingdom of God to this world. And for all of that time, that Adam literally lost his authority and handed his authority over to Satan, the kingdom of Satan was growing and expanding on earth. Up until the time of Jesus Christ, where Jesus came and he said, enough, my kingdom is coming back. That's also part of the reason why, why God's salvation plan was necess- it was necessary for it to be done through a human being. Because God had said that this world will be governed by humans. And so he couldn't just snap his fingers and fix it from heaven. He actually had to use a human being. But knowing that no other human being on earth would be able to live a perfect life because we're born in sin, he had to become human to come and fix our mess. It's amazing how the story comes together, how much understanding we gather and gain when we realize that God's all about His kingdom to be expanded here on earth. And when His kingdom gets reestablished in your heart, it's through a relationship that then translates you, it moves you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And you reconnect in relationship with Him. You get reinstated as a family member with the authority of heaven to now enact the will of heaven again here on earth. But if we keep standing for my kingdom, then you're in direct opposition to God's agenda here on earth. Adam went from thy kingdom to my kingdom in one act. And so many of us do that so regularly. Thank God for the new covenant of grace for every Christian that, that covers us when we make these mistakes. But if you do not repent in your heart from living for your own purposes, then you will continue to set up your kingdom. And guess what the kingdom of man has accomplished? History is just full of it. 
full of all the amazing exploits that we have accomplished, including all the death and destruction. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says this. He said, He died for everyone so that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Living for Jesus Christ means living for the kingdom of God. It means having the intention of letting the kingdom of God lead you so that the kingdom of God's will can be enacted in earth. That is what it means to live for the kingdom. That's what it means to live for Jesus Christ. And how many of you would agree that things need to change in, in, our, in our society? My question is, who's willing to change first? And therein lies our problem. Because until we let go of our own way of life and adopt the kingdom's way of life, nothing's going to change. Nothing will improve because we do not have the power to bring good. Only God is good. But it's as we align to His kingdom's agenda and His kingdom's way of doing things that good comes about. The last point is God's intent is to rule earth through relationship, not religion. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 to 21. It's a little long, but just follow these verses with us because they capture the heart of this, of this point so well. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, relationship, no longer counting people's sin against them, grace. And he gave us this wonderful message of, relation, of reconciliation, co-rulership, so that we are Christ's ambassadors an ambassador in the physical realm is somebody that represents his home nation in the territory of another, another country, right? Each and every one of us in this room are Christ's ambassadors. What does that mean? That means that your life needs to represent heaven here on earth. You need to be a reflection of God's will and God's power here on earth. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. What are you seeking? If we will represent not our own kingdom, but thy kingdom, then each and every one of us are called to seek and save the lost. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Now that we've been made right with God through Christ, we have relationship with Him again. And God had set all these amazing things in place, like the church, like, like people around us, even organizations that gather people and lead in corporate worship and facilitate our growth in relationship with God. But what is all this for? It's for that relationship to thrive because it's out of the relationship with God that we understand how we ought to live. Not because of rules and regulations that somebody set up. Because he did not come to, he did not try to, to set up a religion to rule the earth with. He wants a family with whom he can rule with. Um, as ambassadors, we have to sacrifice our own kingship in order for us to represent the king of kings 
that means that we have to we have to put our own opinions and our own um, our own way and preferences of how to do things. We have to put that aside. An ambassador doesn't speak to the governments of other nations and said, well, you know, the USA thinks this, but here's what I think. No, that guy gets recalled, boop, and then fired. Your job is not to represent you. Your job is to represent the king. But in order to do that, we have to lay down our crowns. I say, Lord, this is no longer about me. My life is not my own. This is about you. And I'm here to serve you. It's become difficult because we've taken on so many titles in Christianity. Christianity being one of them. That you know nowhere in the Bible did God say that you'll be called Christians. Nowhere does it occur. Here's what the Bible says of us. We are sons. We are servants. We are saints. We are ambassadors. We are citizens of heaven. We are kings. We are God's workmanship. We are children of God. It does not refer to us one time as being Christians. The word Christian was actually a description of what was first called the way. The way was a term that used to describe the disciples' lifestyles. See, because they were Jews that came to a relationship with God and their lives started changing. They started ministering to people the gospel of Jesus Christ. They started praying over people, caring for people. And they were known as the people of the way. The different way from what we were grown up as. And later on, the the, the term Christian was like little Christs. They were the ones who lived like Jesus lived. It was not a term. It was a term society used to differentiate those people. That kind of did things differently now. After they've you know, believed in Jesus. But God does not call us Christians. And for that matter. God does not call us Methodist, Baptist, Reformed, Calvinist, Catholic. Or any of those other things. Charismatic, Pentecostal. You name it. God does not call us according to that. He has no business with that in fact. Those are man-made constructions that help us differentiate our forms of beliefs from other groupings. And, and, and they're probably needed, just for clarity's sake. But God does not call us like that. Every single Christian on this earth, the only thing God sees of that person is, you're my child, you're part of my family, you're a co-ruler with me on this earth. And we have work to do because the kingdom of God needs to be brought back into this world. So that you're in my workplaces, you're in my families, you're in my houses. Our physical things are cared for, looked after, maintained the way God would have us do it. Let me tell you, for some of us, the most holy thing you can go do after this message is go clean up your yard and clean your house.
I know that might be hard to hear, but your external environment is a reflection of your internal environment. When the kingdom of God comes into your heart, your life becomes a reflection of the change that it brings on the inside of you. Now, don't get me wrong. I lose control in my house as well. Right now, there's extensive work that needs to be done on my yard. There's no judgment from this pulpit right now. I'm living through the same challenges of time and energy as each and every one of y'all are doing. But we have to not let go of that perspective that this can't stay like this. My life needs to be a reflection of the kingdom of God. And so I need to always say, all right, it is what it is right now, but it's not going to stay like that forever. I'm going to do this that day, this that week, that that next month, that next year. As long as you're moving toward it, that is you being a steward. But if you just give up or if you just go, well, this doesn't matter. That's when you start going, my kingdom. Because now I get to redefine what is good and what is, what is not good. No. That's where that statement comes from. Cleanliness is next to godliness. It's not without any basis of truth. And I, look, I, I, I walk around Crowley, right around Crowley a lot. And let me tell you this. I've seen cleaner towns. And I know the municipality is doing a lot of stuff. I've met with a mayor and I've asked him, what are you doing about cleaning up the city? And he said to me that it is a challenge to them and they're working toward bringing um, services to, 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 to make sure that the town and all the public areas are clean. But that's not enough because the mayor can't enter someone's private property and say, hey, I need to come and clean out your trash for you. There will be uproar. Get off my property or I'll make you. It's true. But what does that mean? That means you have to take care of your own. You have to pick up your own trash. You have to cut your own garden lawn. The kingdom of God is not a religion. See, we miss half of what God wants this world to look like and operate like if we just make it a religion. No, the kingdom of God is practical. It's practical. It works in your yard, but it also works in your cubicle at work. It works for people that are working. It works for kids who are in school. What kind of assignments are you, uh, how serious are you taking your schoolwork? That's the kingdom of God. It comes and it changes my perspective. Everything I get to do, I get to honor God with. I get to honor God with making food for my family every night. I get to honor God for in the mornings getting up and cleaning my room, making my bed, and getting a go and go, go off to school. I honor God for studying hard and using the abilities that He gave me to the best of my ability and produce good results. I honor God by filling in my tax returns honestly. I honor God by honoring and respecting my authority at my work. I honor God by respecting and honoring my employees and not treating them as dirt or something that I own. Everything I do becomes a reflection of the kingdom of God on the inside of me. And so we end today saying that the kingdom of God is God establishing 
his authority and his realm of influence in this earth through a relationship with you and I. It's a rulership that gets its expression in this earth because it's a rulership that has taken hold of each and every one of our hearts individually and personally. So what is there that you feel God is saying to you right now? First and foremost, you cannot, you cannot co-rule with Him if you haven't stepped into a relationship with Him. Because God is absolutely not about religion. He has no time for religion. In fact, He absolutely went against the religious authorities of His time. Because He used to accuse them of reading all the Scriptures but not knowing what it was about. And not realizing that it was those scriptures that was talking about Jesus. And what Jesus would do and how Jesus would initiate relationship back to God. Each and every one of us here today have the opportunity to continue thinking about our faith as just a religion with do's and don'ts. Or we have the opportunity to realize that we can be restored back to the original intention of God in the Garden of Eden, where each and every one of us get to walk with Him personally and get to hear Him teach us through the church, through life groups, through me reading the Bible, through me studying Scripture and, and Scriptural content, teaching me how He wants me to live my life and how He wants me to influence my area of life around me. That is the kingdom of God. And first it comes to your life and it changes your heart so that you don't longer want to do what you do. You want to do what God wants you to do. Like we spoke about in the past couple of weeks about the word of God, you start realizing how precious the word of God is in guiding me according to the agenda and the will of the kingdom of God. He reveals to me what His plan is and how I should be interacting with it and how I should influence others with it. John 3 verse 5 says this, Truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What's he saying? He's saying, he's he's not saying, unless one is a Methodist, unless one is a Baptist, unless one is a Charismatic, unless one is a Pentecostal, unless some is a Catholic, unless some is a, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He did not even say that. He says, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit. What's he saying? You have to be born naturally. That's water. You have to be a man, a person, sorry, a human being. And you have to be born of the Spirit. You have to be born of the Spirit. What's that? That's you putting down your crown and saying, Jesus, I can't save myself. I need you to save me. Stepping back into a relationship with God through Christ. That's what it means to be born of the Spirit. You need to be born again. I want us each, every one of us to close our eyes right there where we are right now. Let me say this to you. The faith system that is being referred to as Christianity was never about religion. It is not an alternative religion to other religions. 
It is not in the same category as other religious systems. It's not even close. Christianity is and will always be about a kingdom that God initially wanted all of us to help Him fill this earth with. But now in Christ, we get to do it again. But you have to make a decision today to put your faith in Jesus because that's the only way that you get included in the kingdom of God. You have to be born again. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to ask if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, to believe in Jesus Christ and accept the work that He did on the cross as payment for your sin. And you want to do that today. I want you to slip up your hand right now. We'll pray together. This is such an important decision because this decision switches you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're right here with us, speaking to us, encouraging us. Father, thank you for your kingdom. I pray, Lord, that we'll learn more how to live for your kingdom and live from your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.